Off top, dipset rapper Joel Santana, his real name, LaRon James. No. Play the music. Yes. What? This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. This is a gift from Charlie Kravitz and uh, I don't know, one of his friends, but he pointed out that LaRon James. That man was one letter off from being the greatest basketball of all basketball player of all times. Instead, he is a feature on a great Lil Wayne song called Bloody Mary. Damn. I, I just don't know how we didn't know this sooner. It's I mean, it's not something you want to publicize. Do you think he's mad that everybody definitely pronounces it LaRon James? <laughs> that voice is Pablo Torre. He is our guest today. You guys might know him. From, I don't know, ESPN and other stuff. Yeah. Our shared um, past, maybe? So, we're going to have a fun time. Obviously, this is uh, less of a strict sports show when we have Pablo back around. We have a little bit more fun. I don't know. He said Anthony Richardson. He so said I feel like we once. checked the box. We said LaRon James. <laughs> so, no, no, no. So, we're, we are Pablo-fying this show. We're going to talk about an overarching theme, a macro theme of nurturing in nurturing in the bosom of an NFL team's organization, how you develop a quarterback. And the number one person we need to talk about this with right now is Anthony Richardson. The athletic freak, the giant, the person we thought was indestructible, played four NFL games. He got injured in three of them. Um, In the fourth game, separated his AC joint. Looks like he's headed for off-season surgery. Or surgery to finish this. Season-ending surgery. This is a problem because quarterbacks is a rep position. He needs reps. We need him healthy, but we need him to play football. He's the rawest quarterback drafted this year. So, I want to ask you guys, football experts, Pablo Torre and Dominique Foxworth, yeah, does this injury change how you view him long-term? Absolutely. I mean, I think we we know modern quarterback. There is not a good modern quarterback that is not athletic. There was a time growing up watching football where the, like, air quotes pocket passer was a thing that was possible. That is is gone. Tom Brady was the last of them. He's gone. Even Patrick Mahomes, when you go through his great playoff moments, many of those are him running the ball. Everyone has to have that ability to move around in the pocket and move the sticks. We saw last night in the Monday night game where uh, Dak Prescott, big runs in that game, 18-yard touchdown run. It's just something. You don't have to be great at it. No one has to be Lamar Jackson or even Anthony Richardson, but you have to be able to do it. We see that uh, Jalen Hurts, production is down this season overall. I think part of that is because they're running him less. And balancing the less attempts with uh, your chances of being successful. And you saw what Jalen Hurts got hurt towards the end of last year. So it feels like a calculated decision to to protect Jalen Hurts. But anyway, back to the original question. Yes, it concerns me because he's built like Josh Allen. And Josh Allen is the one quarterback that we're like, hey, he just take these hits and it doesn't stop him. But it seems like it stops Anthony Richardson. Stopped well, him last year. It yeah, stopped it Josh Allen last year. Well, it didn't stop him. It slowed him. Yeah. But Anthony Richardson, the way he's gotten hurt, it's all in designed runs, right? right. Yeah. Like, so there was the knee, the left knee. Mm-hmm. There was the concussion. And now there's the AC joint in his shoulder. So in terms of just what did we learn about, what did we find out about Anthony Richardson? Did we find out that he's frail? Like the fact, what I can't well, get. Fra- a sense he's definitely of, not frail, but maybe he's fragile. Or so, two so different uh, things. Uh, uh, well, what's the difference? Well, I feel like frail is more of how something looks. Fragile. Oh, you like, can, like like you Charlie's can, grandpa in the chocolate factory. <laughs> like, yeah, that's frail. Yeah. No, I mean you're frail, but you're not fragile. 
I think that's a compliment on some level. You're gonna choose. To <laughs> well, take I actually it as don't it. know whether you're fragile or not. <laughs> but, to be honest with you, but like I, I would think that someone something looks frail. So you, you're right. Like an old man is frail. But anyway, Anthony Richardson seems to be a bit like a Mr. Glass. Well, this is also this is running counter to what we've been saying for the last couple of years, right? Which I find interesting. You're say. Well, it's not dangerous for designed runs. That's right. why we can design run. Lamar. That's why you can design run Josh Allen or Cam Newton and or Jalen Hurts in these certain spots because they're designed. Because they're designed and like no, this is not my take. This yeah. has been a football take that's been going around. You're just uh, it's just as dangerous to be in the pocket where you're getting hit where you're not expecting it. Those are the equivalent of scramble plays. Designed runs, you are more prepared to be hit as a runner. And Richardson's changing that. Yeah, and and so it's not only I think Richardson's not changing it. There are some players that have some knack for not taking a big hit. That's what I'm getting to, yeah. right, is the idea of, is Anthony Richardson unlucky? Like, he's spinning the roulette wheel on design runs, and it's coming up real bad for him? Or, unlike Lamar, who is, you know, again, what are the, it's fun. It's a fun game to pick the adjectives here, right? Like, is he just shifty? Is Lamar shifty? Is he elusive? Slippery. Is that what that means? Slippery. Slippery. Lubricated? <laughs> and, and smart. Like, I think yeah. that comes down to it, too. Knowing when you can and can't, take those hits and I think Josh Allen's the perfect example of the guy who doesn't seem to be as calculated in his decision making where whatever happens to him once he gets in a game every game he treats the way that uh, a coach pregame speech would tell you to treat a game quarterbacks <laughs> you're not supposed to play every play like it's your last yeah. and I think that's part of it and I think Lamar is an example of not only someone who is willing to go out of bounds at certain times but someone who will make a cut and kind of do a little dive slide to the ground to avoid the major contact Anthony Richardson is the opposite so yeah luck has something to do with it but if you remember that concussion play yeah he essentially gave himself up while he was crossing the goal line and just got rocked yeah. and it just seemed like he didn't see it coming when it's impossible for him not to see it coming and then when he gets tackled mess up his shoulder he lets a guy completely land on him which is something Lamar Jackson rarely does so what I'm hearing though a la, a la Charlie, is that is that he needs to do the Tua jujitsu school of falling? Is that where we are? Like, I mean that only yeah. semi facetiously. Well, it's actually you know we can plug this to Pablo Torre finds out. You did an episode with Nate Tice about Russell Wilson. One of the things that makes Russell Wilson so special was that he was a running quarterback who almost never got hit, mm. and that allowed him to do that for ten years as someone who was smaller, never else he played. I do want to read you a quote from Trevor Lawrence that was caught by the boom mic in the first handshake, Anthony Richardson's first game. Great game. You made some unbelievable plays, but you have to try and protect yourself. The hits add up in this league, and they're a little bit different than college. Ooh. Prescient. Oh, man. That long-haired oracle. Um, so, yeah, understanding – Anthony Richardson, understanding how to play the game is something that we're going to have to figure out. The thing about Russell is interesting because he was also the most sacked guy mm -hmm. and it felt like in the history of football because he held onto the ball and that offensive line also wasn't great in the time in Seattle. So – your original point, I think, is one that has not been disproven with just Anthony Richardson about it being just as dangerous to be in the pocket as it is. Because you see quarterbacks get hurt all the time in the pocket, not running. I think we can, draw, we can throw Justin Fields' injury on this conversation also. But maybe we're also just moving to a place in football until they change the rules again where this is a risk that you have to endure. Because I don't think you can – it's not impossible to win – with a quarterback that's that can't run, but I don't think that it's likely that you're going to be able to 
to uh, continuously beat NFL offenses if you don't have some sort of athletic threat. Well, let me ask you guys both this, because I don't think the concern is really about Anthony Richardson being a bad football player in his current state. Like, he's already overachieved what we thought he would be as a 21-year-old rookie. But part of that is him being an exceptional power runner who runs a 4-3-5 that doesn't really exist. It's basically someone who is comp to Khalil Mack at the Combine playing quarterback. Do you think that he can be this transcendent player without that? Can no. he control that? I mean, this I, I, I listen to you say all of that, and I nod along, and I think about RG3. Or you could think about Cam Newton. Like, which, yeah, it's going to end sooner. But, damn, it might be great for a run. You might make a – and he could be – part of Cam Newton, the fe- reason why he wasn't better than we expected was – I don't think that the offense or the players around him were up to level to level that he could succeed in. We saw that one MVP level season. So with Shane Steichen, and if you can keep Anthony Richardson healthy and you can get the right talent around him, I think I would much rather take a chance on 10 great years than uh, hope to find someone else that we can get 15 to 20 decent years out of. Now, just in terms of what the Colts should do, though, so of, of course, right, the silver lining in this is that, well, maybe you get like a Marvin Harrison Jr. or whoever else that you like be in nice. the talent position. Yeah. That would be nice. That would help this whole project. Yeah, no, 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 Alec Pierce. But, 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 but is there another strategy that emerges because of the health concern? Like, you're not looking at linemen. You're not looking yeah. at O-line. Or are you? Like, truly. How do you address this outside of sending him to the school of the Tua Tagovailoa school of falling? It's about having other players to take pressure off of him, and I think that there are some overarching uh, football philosophies that I've come to hold dear to my heart, and one of them is you prepare the team before you add the quarterback. And one of the reasons why you do that is because you're asking less of the quarterback. Having Marvin Harrison Jr., assuming that he has the capability to be the player that we hope he is, you know what that makes it easier for Anthony Richardson to do? Not have to make plays on the ground. Not even have to read defenses sometimes. You know what it's real nice for Kirk Cousins to do when Justin Jefferson is healthy? And it's real nice for Joe Burrow, who we think is among the top tier of quarterbacks in this league. It's nice to take a couple plays off and say, Jamar down there somewhere. And He's I always think, open. Yeah, as, as he, he told us. So I think that is my point. And, yeah, offensive line helps. You take less hits. Uh, they can block better on the running attack. Him being smarter when he can and can't take hits. I don't think the option is to take the run out altogether. Of course, not for Anthony Richardson, but not for any quarterback. You want to limit it, but don't take it out altogether, whether we're talking about Allen or – Mahomes or Hurts, all of these guys, and obviously, especially Lamar, who's I know it's the numbers aren't stacking up, but as someone who I watch all of the Ravens games, and my son's a fan, and I live in DC close by, they're really, really good. Their record does not represent that, but Lamar is playing really well right now. And also, Lamar's an outlier. Like this, yeah. you, there was a stat last season that since 2018, he had been hit 170 times which is 100 times more than any other quarterback during that span. So, like, he is Yeah. And, I mean, unique. the thing is, all hits are not created equal is the point that yeah, we're making also. the big hits. Like, yeah, we say hit quarterback hits, and we think of somebody getting blown up. Lamar is, like, diving with somebody landed, falling on his legs. It's an entirely different scenario than when Tua got uh, his body, like, ragdolled into the ground. So, 
Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. We should pivot to Justin Herbert because this is another team team building thing. We're coming off Monday Night Football. We're taping this on a Tuesday where... The Chargers, who have for, I don't know, our entire lifetimes been the preseason darlings of every yep. single team who thinks that this offense is going to be transcendent. They have Justin Herbert, who has a laser rocket arm and a bunch of receivers who run four sixes and four sevens and don't get down the field. And they have Brandon Staley, who was a hero to the nerds at one point. Pablo, I'm sure, has his number. Um, <laughs> and they have the exp- expensive defensive football. The defense is bad. Herbert had his worst game since his rookie season. And I think there's real questions of what's wrong with the Chargers offense? Have they built it the wrong way? And are you disappointed with Herbert in year four, who just signed this mega contract, becoming this version of himself? Is the real concern coming out of this game Justin Herbert, though? Can I just hierarchy this? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, of course, he was pressured, I believe, more than he ever has been in this game, as I, I know from hosting the previous iteration of the show. Micah Parsons is terrifying. Yes. Um, all job. of this is true. Um, but. You got on jeans today? I <laughs> I'm wearing cargo pockets. <laughs> cargo pockets full of takes. Um, but my take on this one is that Justin Herbert, I want him to be better. I also don't know if this is the game that I would point to and say, Justin Herbert, you are the problem. Yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert missed people downfield. He, you still marvel at his arm. He was inaccurate at times in this game, but you can understand why someone would be inaccurate when terrifying people are running at them through the course of an entire game. I don't know. I I think the question is always going to be Justin Herbert, and it's not about whether he's the problem or or not. It's about whether they've built something that he can succeed in or not. I think he's demonstrated to us already that he's good enough. The question is, uh, are the coaches and the players around him good enough? And it would seem that the talent around him prior, like you mentioned, they're everyone's preseason darling, Prior to last season and prior to this season, the talent is good, but is the talent the right talent for him? And I think that's where most people, like analytical-minded people, hate that Justin Herbert doesn't attack them. And they've been, if I, rem- if I remember correctly, they've been attacking downfield much more this year yeah, than they have in the more. past. But imagine him with not Keenan Allen, but with, I mean, 
somebody that can Zay Flowers comes to mind. Someone who can run flags. Uh, Tyreek Hill is. I was about to say, what if you did the yeah. the Tua Justin thing and flip spots with them? Yeah. What's it look like? It looks a lot different because they can hold the ball in the pocket with Herbert. He's a big, strong guy who doesn't have a history of concussions, and he can also throw it really far and hard in a way that uh, Tua cannot. So are we just mostly sad then? Is that the take here? That, that Justin Herbert is waste, he's being wasted. That, I mean, I I am the the foremost authority on athlete, athlete sympathy and Charlie is irritated by it perpetually, but I do- You opened hate, up my heart. <laughs> I do hate the idea of wasted talent. And we see it in Chicago, I think with um, Justin Fields. And I'm terrified about having the two quarterbacks coming into like Drake May and Caleb mm-hmm. Williams are believed to be can't miss prospects. You know what will make a can't miss prospect miss? Being on a team with a coach. And I would be disgusted if we missed the opportunity at having some real like quality come into this league at position at the position that matters most. That's a tease and we'll get to them. But I do have the thing about Herbert, I don't think I'm sad. I'm just frustrated with this situation because like Okay, we I think we all like Austin Eckler on your fantasy team because he scores 18 touchdowns Seems a year. Really but, nice. Talk but that's guts. but that's also like a problem if he's the guy catching 18 touchdowns on dump offs from Justin Herbert. It's like it's building the wrong flying car for our flying car quarterback. In your analogy, Ben Simmonsing him, and it, it's it's just frustrating because this league is going to continue to move towards guys who can get the ball downfield. And to just go the opposite way because he's a robot. Justin Herbert, I think it's a, it's a legitimate criticism. Which is a compliment. Have, yeah, I think, but and a criticism. The criticism you could have of him is he goes through his progressions and does what the coaches want him to do. So if you design an offense where it's designed for him to dump the ball off five, six yards down the field, that's incredibly frustrating when you see the capabilities he has. Like his arm looks fake. It looks like yeah. if Jamarcus Russell knew where the ball was going. And that's where I am. <laughs> that's where I'm bummed out. Is just I was promised more Justin Herbert highlights. Yeah, and I'm getting like, yeah, sad uh, worm burners. Yeah, it, it does feel like watching Justin Herbert games feels like you're watching someone do incredible acrobatic dunks, but missing the dunk. And it's like, whoa, he got up there, and that's what I felt like watching last night. Is like, uh, Dak is like whirly burden in the pocket and running in a way that doesn't look all that athletic, but finding people... More athletic than he's looked in two years That's since fair. the ankle injury. Big, yeah. This is a big day for you. But finding people down the field to make plays. And Herbert is just rifling missiles that are that can't be caught by anybody. And you're just like, damn, what a cannon on that guy. Sure would be nice if someone would like acknowledge that and build a team that uh, he can play well with well so at first okay i do want to just uh ask we don't have the cutout of dominique pushing a wheelbarrow full of water for Dak prescott anymore you guys eliminated that yeah we don't do we don't do those anymore that's a damn shame i don't push it it's anymore. A, i guarantee you if you're on if you are watching this podcast on youtube instead of on your podcast app you will be seeing that photo right now <laughs> very good um the second thing though is so let's blame some people are we blaming brandon staley yes I mean, I feel like the nerd. I mean, Dean Spanos. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, so it's you can go right to the top. You yeah. could. I mean, it's the history of the Chargers. Unless you believe there, there's some luck or some curse or something else. Like it feels like this has been a consistent issue. So like making the decisions right now is not uh, on day to day is a problem, but it's something that we all have been pointing out for a while and they haven't addressed it. So I want to go specifically on what they haven't addressed because this is your lane, Dominique. Yeah. Joe Burrow got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Yep. Tua 
Got Tiger Kill and Jalen Waddle and running backs who look fake. They're so fast. Jalen Hurts became a different quarterback when he got A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. Josh Allen got Stephon Diggs. So this is a situational issue, and I do think it's the GM, but it's also Brandon Staley was a great defensive coordinator, and they invested more in their defense yep. than any other team in the NFL, and that he has just not worked as a head coach. And I just Why wouldn't you go into this offseason, do whatever you can to get a Devonta Adams, a receiver like that, and hire Ben Johnson? Take him from the Lions. Take him, the guy who is coddling Jared Goff to competency, above competency, yeah. being a really good quarterback, and put him with Justin Herbert. It does feel like, Dominique, one of the very basic things that maybe the Chargers, Spano, Staley, the whole regime tried is, Mahomes doesn't need these guys. And it turns out that uh, maybe Justin Herbert yeah, is not the, the same. Or yeah. needs Travis Kelsey right. as, as the, opposed to an Eckler. I get it. The, the Mahomes strategy was... After they made a run, it was very Patriots-like. It was like, all right, we made one run. We're going to reset for our next run. It's very different. They haven't figured it out the first time yet and, is the tough part. And also, if Mahomes is your example, that offense is so boring now. Yeah. You have, the, you, you have like the greatest quarterback we've ever seen, talent-wise, and it's boring because you took Tyreek Hill and you replaced him with MVS, who's just out there doing wind sprints. He has no one to throw the ball to. Yeah, I mean, off, offense in general is down, which yeah. speaks to another theory that I was working on. But I was busy um, looking up something that I remembered when when uh, Brandon Staley was hired. That he blew a 28-0 lead? No, 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 no. That wasn't when he was hired. That was last year in the playoffs. That definitely is a fireable offense for a head coach. But it's he, the boy— He just grew a beard instead. <laughs> it's, the, it's the boy wonder effect that I think is a result of uh, guys like Sean McVay and he was close to Sean McVay, and they hired him. If I remember correctly, Brandon Staley had very limited coaching experience. And there was not much to suggest that we thought that – not much to suggest that he was going to be a good NFL head coach. So, like, he was the coordinator for the Rams for one year. He was outside linebacker coach before that for the Broncos for one year. Outside linebacker coach, coach for the Bears uh, for two years, it would seem like, prior to that. Um and then John Carroll, where he was the defensive coordinator and secondary coach. And before that, we got James Madison, John Carroll, Tennessee, like a bunch of other nothing places. So I have a corollary. The coach matters. I have a corollary to the boy wonder theory, though. I feel like this is the you have an old what is it? Uh, what's that saying? You only have one chance to make a first impression theory. Remember the press conference? Yeah. Like Brandon Staley killed his mm -hmm. press conferences. Yeah. If you went back in time and I showed you two videos, yeah. one video is Brandon Staley literally giving every nerd on Twitter and Sirianni versus yes. Nick Sirianni. This is a great theory. And yeah. I showed you great, that video, you, no one would have taken Sirianni. Dan Dan Campbell. Mike McDaniel. Mike you got to you got to bomb the press conference. <laughs> Dan Campbell is also someone who is actually seems his decision-making process very analytically inclined that team is but he doesn't come across like it. But Brandon Staley does, and he can't seem to figure this, this thing out. By the way, out. even like Jonathan Gannon, I'm like, yeah. his, his yeah, team right. is He's more good. competitive than his his video sort of like introduction would have suggested. Lower the bar. You got to oh lower the God. bar. Keep expectations <laughs> low. It is funny that Staley was so bad that he goes for on a fourth down now, and even analytics guys wince and like tweet about how it's the wrong decision i had a big fight this morning on get up about fourth down and just general aggressiveness so like they want to focus on how brandon staley went for it on fourth down and missed it but then they've just forgot that he went for it on fourth down later in the game and got a touchdown yeah and generally wanted to celebrate it was my guy jeff saturday mm. and, and um 
Sal Palantonio generally wanted to celebrate the idea that the Cowboys are winning conservatively now. And I just had a knockdown drag out with them. It was like, <laughs> look, you cannot, your strategy can't be Make win. the offense worse. Yeah, your strategy can't be win close games because <laughs> random things are going to happen. And that's their point is like, no, they just want to stay close. No, you don't. Mm. Because random things happen in football. Like that punt that got randomly muffed. Like it's going to happen. And when you can beat somebody, beat somebody's and that's what the Lions have been doing for the last several weeks. The last thing I want to ask you guys about on um, Herbert. Let's talk about the Sean Payton factor of this. Because I want to know, like, he was the guy. He was waiting for that job. Right. Do they regret not giving him that job? And how sad is he that he were – are both parties sad with how this played out? Woof. Another, <sighs> another sort of case study in the press conference theory of scouting is Sean Payton. Um, I, <laughs> I feel like – Sean Payton should uh, lose the freedom of speech um, as a general principle. <laughs> like, you can't go so all in on a take and then have it blow up so disastrously and still have the right to say words to this level. And so I think they should be very happy they're not anywhere near him. Yeah. But I don't, but at the same time, right? Like, how do you unlock, how do you unlock Justin Herbert? I'm guessing they'd like to roll the dice on someone else. Yeah, it's always some sort of like chemical reaction where you're putting a bunch of like elements into uh, a beaker and hoping the result is Super Bowls. You don't always know how these things will work together, but you think you know. And I think there's a possibility that Sean Payton in that situation would be much better than the Sean Payton we're getting now. Right. And there's a possibility that whoever the defensive coordinator that he would have brought in would have been different because it's certainly not working right now. <laughs> Giving uh, up 70? That's yeah, not good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now with who's uh, – is it um, – Fangio? No, no, not – no, Fangio's in Miami. It's uh, Vance, oh, Joseph. Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph. I thought it was Vance Joseph. I didn't want to say – well, actually, I could have said Raheem Morris and, <laughs> and everybody would have been okay with it. Charlie, <laughs> you can't say Raheem Morris and mean Vance Joseph. We have a problem with that. Yes, Pablo, gaslighting again. We'll let you slide for now. I appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, it's possible that, that that alchemy in that situation would have had a different result. I'm not ready to say that Sean Payton just is a garbage football coach and the game has passed him by and Drew Brees made him and all this stuff, which is what some people are waiting to say. So I'm not sure that they regret uh, not giving Sean Payton a chance. Committing to anybody for 10 years, for $10 million a year seems hard. But I do think long-term commitment to a coach is and a general manager combination is the smart thing to do because of the theory that I have in general is that you need time and, may, and honestly you don't need that much time, but you need two, three years to build up a roster that I think is prepared for a quarterback if you're a terrible team. Mm. And I think that tends to, that needs to be the strategy because no matter what, if you have a strong roster, good coaching staff, your quarterback, your, your quarterback can't be less than mediocre. If there are other holes that your quarterback is really terrible, it can be worse. But if you have all those things and you have a good quarterback, you're looking at great. You have a great quarterback, you're in a Super Bowl uh, every year, like or in the, at least in a championship game every year like Patrick Mahomes. See, I think this is one of your the most interesting theories because it's like it's the get you to 12 and 5, be in the dance theory. But it's there's a ceiling on that. It's like what we saw with the – I mean, Alex Smith is the poster child for this with the 49ers and then the Chiefs, where if you don't luck out and you get the Patrick Mahomes, building that's almost for nothing, and you're the most important piece away. Um. Okay, so then what would be the other strategy? Like, I, I don't understand how you can compose an argument that is on the opposite side of this, because the other strategy 
is crossing your fingers. Well, you also you obviously want to build a good football team, right? But I'm saying that if your team stinks, I think that it, the mistake that a lot of teams make is your team is bad. You're at the top of the draft and you draft a quarterback. There, it's so rare. There's one quarterback every ten years. That, maybe that maybe. maybe that is the number one pick and is also that good. So that's the mistake because you have to remember Patrick Mahomes drafted number 10. Yeah. And so like the idea that your team is bad so you got to fix it with a quarterback, I think it's flawed in and of itself. Your team is bad, trade that away. Unless unless it's Caleb Williams or unless it's Trevor Lawrence Joe or Burrow. unless it's somebody like that or or Joe Burrow, I'm not even sure CJ Stroud. I'm not sure Trey yeah. Lance? No. Oh. Can we can we can, can we segue here to the Caleb topic he got about hurt. this? He might have been great. Yeah, he could have <laughs> been. He could have been the. He could have been Anthony Richardson. Um, so I do want to get to the Caleb of all of this because, as Pablo knows, the first rule of Tank Club is we don't talk about Tank Club. I hate and, Tank Club. But right. there are teams that have done this masterfully this year. We don't know if they're intentionally or unintentionally tanking. You know, the Bears have their pick. They have the Panthers' pick scheduled to be the first two picks in the draft. The Patriots are just letting Mac Jones tank for them, um, and Bill Belichick's helping the Cardinals, the Giants, and the Broncos, and maybe even the Vikings could all be in the mix. But I want to focus small, and we can expand out on this, on the Patriots aspect of this, because this is now picking up steam more and more and more of what's going on with Bill Belichick what's going on with the Patriots. And I want to ask you guys. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Would it be a bad situation for Caleb Williams to go to the Patriots? Because hmm. nurture matters for these quarterbacks. <laughs> I, if you believe that Caleb Williams is as talented as everybody says, yeah. I feel like New England, of course, should, should, should be obviously tanking to get him no we hate tanking here we do not even condone that you're outnumbered now it's two to one but this is this is but this is the thing right like there's a question underneath this conversation which is do you think bill belichick is too proud to tank and that that i just want to say like what a compliment to bill belichick so it's not even about being what a compliment it's about it's about understanding that tanking doesn't work in football but that and it's also like not even about being proud it's about also having some level of um competitive integrity and personal self-respect but all that is dude is one in five and we're asking would he be too proud to be one in five on purpose like it doesn't you should be I, I mean, if I'm one in five and I'm I, I'm showing respect to my teammates and to my 
my uh, the owner of the team <laughs> if and you to the rest of people in the league. Earnestly yes. stepped on this rake because you didn't see it. Congratulations. Yes, intent matters. Intent matters. So, Pablo, if I get up and I want to put my coat on and I hit you in the head by mistake, that's different than me getting up and slapping you in the face. Yes, intent matters. So that aside. Does getting slapped in the face result in me getting an even cooler coat? (laughs) No, it does not. The point is, I don't know that it's a bad situation for Caleb, given what we've seen in the past. I think if we expect Caleb Williams to be uh, Mahomes level, Maybe it doesn't work. But what we've seen from Bill Belichick over the course of his career is him perfectly optimizing the talent to the level just high enough around the quarterback to be great because the quarterback was so great. And he had a quarterback who was perpetually taking discounts. So if we believe that he just needs his quarterback – and I think his, even though the defense isn't great this year, I don't think that he's forgotten how to coach defense. The defense has been good over the course of their decline. The question is, is he capable of putting together a serviceable offense without a legit great quarterback? That's the thing he hasn't proven no, no place other than here. So if you give him that quarterback, then I don't think it's a bad place for them. Bill Belichick should be painting his damn fingernails right now like listen to whatever music Caleb William likes like do whatever it takes to get him and to persuade him to play the way that by the way I do I do hope maximizes Caleb Williams like the question underneath underneath that is is Bill Belichick actually not fluent in the talents of a dual thread guy like Caleb Williams right I mean I tried it with um Cam so it's I, I think Bill Belichick understands football enough and uh Bill O'Brien or whoever they have there understands football enough. I think the thing that would be frustrating is just like, oh, damn it. Boston's got it again. That'd be tough for us to deal with, but I'd I rather... I want to see it. I want to see it. I mean, happen. I'd rather see that than see Kayla Williams go to Chicago, a place that, like, over the court... You could say one quarterback is bad. You could say maybe two quarterbacks are bad. They ain't never had a good quarterback in the history of the place. <laughs> so I am not confident... That Caleb Williams, no matter how great he is, or Drake May, who I think is starting to get talked about in the same level as Caleb Williams. Excellent prospect. I don't think that either of them, and one of them is going to end up there. Yeah. It's just, they have two of the worst, or they have, they're likely to have the top two picks if the season ends today. So they're going to get one of them, and I'm sorry to that one. Well, the other thing, I mean, yeah, the Bears and Vikings, whenever they play next, is going to be an abomination for you, <sighs> Dominique. You're going to hate yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Um, But the the... Interesting thing for the Pats is their division is loaded now. And so it's not, they don't even need to be like incentivized to tank necessarily. They might just end up losing a bunch of these games by proxy of playing the Bills, the Dolphins, and the resurgent Jets. That's fine. Lose if you lose, but don't don't tank. That's I do all I, I care do about. think I mean look, I'm looking at these standings, right? So the, the Bears get the Panthers pick at number one overall. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bears get the second pick, then it's the Broncos, the Cardinals. The Cardinals at one and five in this morass of teams, like I, 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 what I had my eyes open to even wider this season is Dominique's point, which is that like tanking in the NFL doesn't work because it's so hard to organize an effort. Yeah, fifty-two people, a bunch of coaches, and you're, um, you're, 
you're teaching them how to lose. It's not basketball where you can ha- you can overhaul everything immediately, and one player is so impactful on both sides of the ball that it matters. So, well, like, it's also I, though- I, out of out of personal integrity, I would not want it to to tank in basketball, but I could understand the argument for how it could work in basketball. I also just think it's random enough to the point where like even your best laid plans won't necessarily be guaranteed in the way that again basketball because exactly. of the player making a big difference. Yeah. Like I don't think again I don't think Jonathan Gannon was apparently taking orders from anybody about like lose this game i also don't think the players were nearly um as bad as i had hoped for their <laughs> yeah they, they seem to be putting preservation up, i mean i this is now i'm going out on a limb right now because i don't know but i feel confident that of all the best quarterbacks in football right now very few of them were number one overall picks mm. so is burrow is, it's really burrow and lawrence of the top guys right and so stafford is that yeah is that evidence of in Stafford? It took him to get to a good team before we could see him be be really good. Is that evidence? Because it's a great no. I love this. I love this. I love this conversation because and, and a few of them are like third round and, and later. Well, because really, what we're trying to do, of course, whenever we cosplay as a GM, is step behind the veil of ignorance and sort of like you'd always prefer having the number one overall pick because that means you have your pick of every player. But and that's a process argument. But results wise, I do think it's very funny. That getting the number one overall pick has been so. This like, I think this is this is why I have this particular theory because I think it's all tied in together. If you are later in the draft, your team is likely more likely to be ready to receive a quarterback. And one of my, like you mentioned earlier, quarterback is a rep position. Reps position. Definitely. You, if you are terrible at the beginning and you are fighting for your life, your reps are not valuable reps. If you end up in a situation where you are not awful, and you can take to the first point about Anthony Richardson being able to take plays off by just throwing it over here to a theoretical Marvin Harrison. If you are allowed... Who also might be on the Bears next year. Yes, who also might be on the Bears next year. If you are allowed that to be able to take some pressure off. Your O-line is so good that you don't have to worry about getting attacked out of nowhere. You're, you have receivers so good or a running game that's so good or a defense that's so good to take pressure off of you. That allows you time to get the reps that you need to turn into a starting level or a good or a great quarterback. And that's what I think is the problem. It's not that the guys that are evaluation is so bad that we draft the wrong guy number one overall is that they go into situations where they are not allowed to develop because they are surrounded by a team and coaches that are failing and aren't good enough that's sort of what we talked about with Bryce Young whether or not this season's reps even helps I mean the counter example to this is Peyton Manning uh-huh. Andrew Luck Trevor Lawrence those guys right. who started off in really rough spots from teams that won two, three games and were able to use those reps to become really good. But I do want to just to put a button on the Caleb thing, bring it back tight and small rather than the macro theory. Of those teams, Pats, Bears, Cardinals, Giants, Broncos, Vikings, is there somewhere you would want him to go? Where would you want to see Caleb Williams play? I mean, it would be really nice to have him with Justin Jefferson just because that'd be, to my point, it's it's a place where he can get bailed out. And it's a player that will allow defenses to be easier to read because, you know, what they're not going to do is mess around and try to trick you when Justin Jefferson is out there. Pats, again, I feel like it's a place where it's a stable organization that's proven that they can take care of you. So I think that would be nice. Um, Cardinals, Bears, I don't love that. Is that everybody? Who else? Giants, baby. Giants. Yeah. Uh, Dable, put lipstick on a pig yeah. with yeah, Daniel I Jones mean, last that's, year. I am. Yeah. I, the, I, so the Patriots, as a sports taker, 
I'd like that fit for content reasons. But the Giants, in terms of Brian Dable obviously hating his life right now and oh. lusting after a new project to show that he's a genius, yeah, that is perfect to me. I mean, they, they would have to do more than just bring him in because this seems like a bad situation. You know, like this seems like a place where they can't protect him in a place that does not have a receiver. Uh, and I guess they'll still have uh, Saquon maybe. Uh, but, yeah, that and they don't have a great defense. Like it seems like a really uphill battle for Caleb there. But I get you. Dayball has a long history that does not suggest that he knows how to fix quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> then he got with Josh Allen and then – and the Alabama stuff. And then Stephon Diggs showed up. And so, do we get Stephon Diggs, too? Can we get Stephon Diggs, too? <laughs> maybe. Really, yeah, yeah. Based on this past offseason, yeah. maybe. Uh, yeah. Um, all right, so the last thing I want to close this with. We're at, like, I don't know. Would you guys agree the most uncertain midway point of a football season without a dominant team in a Absolutely. long time? Yep. So, yep. I go on Red Zone. I do the, the YouTube TV quad box thing, and I'm like – Sure, I guess this is what I got today. Like, I'm not even that mad because yeah. the games that are supposed to be good aren't really what they're supposed to be. It's a, a true poo-poo platter. Yes, all um, the time. But I was thinking we could draft teams that we believe in, that we think have a chance to, to win the Super Bowl. We each draft four teams. It's Dominique's show. He gets to go first. Oh, thank you. Pablo, you're literally in, in the middle. I've you're in the second pick. I've never sat in before, feeling yeah. very insecure. Sorry. And I'll go third. And we'll do this snake draft style. So you have the first pick. Teams you believe in, Dominique. As I already established that I don't think having the first pick is an advantage, particularly in this situation when no one knows. You know what the best advantage is? Third pick. But all right. Um, <laughs> give me Patrick Mahomes because I love Patrick Mahomes. There are literally Ooh. two great teams, and you're now upset about having one of them. <laughs> uh, I, got, I mean, the Chiefs are not great right now, but I'll take them. I mean, I'm going to go not with the obvious pick. I'm going with the Eagles, despite just losing. Despite just losing. I like I, it. I love the way my board just fell. Yeah, I can't believe it you guys. Great. You, you actually made this it a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'll take the team that was in the Super Bowl that has a play that no one can stop. I like that choice. And literally the hardest schedule for like the next eight weeks possible. We yeah. might look up and that team's going to be seven and five. But I digress. I will happily take the 49ers. Oh, creative. For a creative prime time. For the fact that, you know what I like? I like offense. I like yeah. teams that can score. And so I'll take the 49ers and their uh Litany of weapons, and I'll take my beloved Dolphins. The problem with the pro I like fast people. The problem with your 49ers pick, which I don't agree with, I think it's an okay pick, but the problem with that they is they were number one on my board, not oh, number really? two, one. Wow. Well, it's not a video game. They are super talented up top, they are not deep. That's why I think if I had the choice between the 49ers and the Eagles, I go with the Eagles hmm. because I think the Eagles can survive injury much better than the 49ers can. And then your other pick was who? The Dolphins? Yeah. All right. We'll see. Yeah, it's hard to argue with what they're doing out there. They're a buzzsaw. The, yeah, the defense isn't great. Um, the quarterback is fragile, but they are a buzzsaw. All right, back to you. With my pick. I love drafts. This is the best. <laughs> Pablo Torre selects the Buffalo Bills. Mm, good pick, good pick. Plus yeah, 1,000 like right now. I like that. Oh, sorry. I just was trying to take a look at your screen so I text don't my miss wife. on a team. No, I wasn't <laughs> even looking at that. Um, let's see. Come home. Your daughter misses you. Fair <laughs> <laughs> point. That is. All right. So I got to go with, oh, man. So Do it, Dominique. It's, it's uh, it. Lions or Ravens. Oh, I'm that's thinking, a, I, I thought. Uh, hold on. Oh, we need no. a new graphic. Yeah. We need a new yeah. Damn graphic. Who did I miss? The Bengals? 
The Cowboys? Your Cowboys. Your oh, oh. The Cowboys? Oh, they're not my Cowboys. Um, Lions or Ravens, I'm going to go. <sighs> you have two picks. Have two you, picks? Can, you can take both oh, okay. of them. Give me Lions and Ravens. Oh, yeah, that's right. Snake draft. Lions and Ravens. Give oh, me that. God. You got critiques, criticisms? My concern is that now I might be taking the Cowboys. Yeah. Which I don't like. Uh, I'm going to take the Bengals. Mm. You mm. got to take the Cowboys. Great. I'll take the Cowboys and I'll take the... Ooh, now I have a... Hold on. I thought we were done. Oh, we have four picks. Four picks? Okay. So, by the way, to pr- prove the point here, um, none of us like what the no, fourth pick is going to be. We had, I don't like my third pick. We, were, we all had I a don't pick like my and a half. Second, we honestly. had a pick and a half. That's, yeah, I, I regret the I Bills. Mean, the, the, as Lions, pick the Lions was really a choice on first round by making it easier to mm, get through yep, the playoffs because their, re- their record, they right now have the lead and they're going to have an easy schedule going forward. Um, Ravens is a choice that Lamar is really special, mm-hmm. and it's a well-coached, well-run organization. Yeah, and I made a Joe Burrow bet. And now, wait, what are you doing? I'm going to bet on my boy, the Navi himself, Trevor Lawrence, just based on how bad that division is and that they're playing pretty well. Right, and, I can't, got- and I can't pick Deshaun Watson's Browns. Plus 3,000 are the Browns. I can't yeah. do that. We're done. We're already we're past the reasonable we consideration. Ju- the no one else can win. The next team is the Chargers. We just yeah. on for an entire episode. Then it's the Seahawks, the Saints. The Bucks, really? Uh, yeah, the Falcons. Yeah, I think we're done, guys. I don't know what else. To all right, do. With, it's a three-pick draft. We all have <laughs> awesome teams. I get the Jaguars also. So if any of my four teams win, I win this thing. I hope the Jets win, and Aaron Rodgers comes back. <laughs> I'm gonna take the Packers for the same reason that I hope they win, so Aaron Rodgers is sad. <laughs> Plus eight thousand. Uh, done. Uh, uh, do I actually have to choose somebody? Yeah. Okay. Um, Those are the we rules. <sighs> All right, give me the. Can we edit out this silence? <laughs> no. Uh, give me the Jets, I guess. <laughs> Let's go. Yes. Ugh. We Plus still pick nine thousand. No, that's it. All right, that's good. It. Thank you. Well, thank you, Charlie, for being here. Um, thank you to Metalark for letting us use this beautiful studio. Or I'm sorry, I don't need to thank you guys. I commandeered this. You did. Um, thank you, Pablo, for being a guest. Um, I hope you have gotten some medicine for your content brain and gotten better. Uh, and thank you to all of our great producers, as usual, Megan, mm. Brian, Kevin, Serafina. Is there time for a James Harden joke? Nope. We don't do those anymore. We do not make sexual innuendo or James Harden jokes since you left. That part of the show is gone. We've matured. But what about the part about how he does? Let's cut it there. Mm. Thanks. Don't you edit my show. Uh-uh. No. I, th- I was uh-uh. sure you were going to say we stripped that from the show. That was a setup. <laughs> right. Nope. All right. Now cut it now. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.